Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads get ready to survive another Raw versus Smackdown Survivor Series in a few weeks a few weeks time already really we're doing that already fine we are here via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean for the 95th week looking at wrestling back in a time where we truly had to survive but who be we i be fake geordie radio presenter without portfolio former cultaholic heavyweight champion tom campbell i am with the bear in the big blue bar cage the man known in some circles as titan shrugged he did some books a while ago that were very good you get them from places he is the head pen of cultaholic he does not require your foolish pencil you stupid bastard he needs a pen gets it right every time he is justin henry and he is off of america the yeah, intros don't really underscore just how awful the shows are that we are watching the more excitable the intro the worse the show mate by the summer i'm having i'm having the new york philharmonic orchestra sing with me in the intro it's gonna it's gonna be that bad it's gonna be that bad oh how are you justin henry oh i am doing fine well, watching this show notwithstanding <laughs> just uh, looking forward to the um, creeping in of autumn weather with a clumsy falling of many leaves that I have to tend to, but small price to pay for nice cool crisp air and a glass of cider. Oh, look at you painting the images in our mind's eye. How about yourself? Um, I want to go to your autumn, to be honest. Um, I also, incidentally, I like how you pick, <laughs> how you say many leaves for you to pick. Like you're not going to pick all of them, but there's a select few that you have to pick, and that's your quota. Well, no, not picking or raking. I have to. <laughs> I want you to pick them up one by one by hand. Mm. That's what I, I have like. a. Uh, I have this industrial leaf blower that has a backpack, so, so I feel like a Ghostbuster when I'm out there just <laughs> oh, piling them up. That's the look, man. That's the look. But to answer your question, all is fine. This is going up on Halloween. Woo! Spoopy times, etc. It's also uh, Pablo's. Uh, anniversary today which is quite exciting it's his moving in day so it's one year ago that we got our cat pablo so we're celebrating by sort of carving pumpkins with him and all that sort of stuff oh that's nice congratulations pablo yeah he's he'll be he'll be delighted we've actually i say we're carving pumpkins with him alex has gone and bought like a, a salmon platter so he's going to eat like a king today he won't have a clue why and he'll expect it for the rest of the year but he'll be oh, nice well i mean he should i mean you're the cultaholic guy you could uh 
hook him up some nice stuff there. We had uh, a moment with him. I must share this before we get into the rigors of, of 1995. Um, every so often, I like to take him out into the communal corridor just for a little wander around. Just, just, just a bit, because he's seen him a little bit. Sometimes he'll wait by the door because he wants to go out for a little walk. So we'll take him out for a little walk. And we think next door just got a cat because he started <clears throat> sniffing their door quite a bit. And then the other day, when I took him out for a walk along the corridor, he stared at the door for ages, stiffed it, and then he got really big, and his hair went all the way up, and he went, <laughs> bared his teeth at the door, like, whoa, what are you doing, dickhead? And he did it, and he, and he ran straight back to our door. Like, he did it, realised what he'd done, and ran, like, let me, let me back in, let me back in, let me back in, and ran back in. So Pablo basically did the cat equivalent of going, oi, prick, and then ran off. <laughs> Coward. As ca- Coward. As a, ca- <laughs> As a cat owner for many, many, many years, I know that feeling. I know cats can be um, – cats may be the same species, but you put two of them together that don't know each other, and it's like putting uh, incompatible species in the same terrarium. Yeah, they just – uh, very territorial, very territorial. They're like, this is my house, oh, yeah. and we have to – you can't really explain to the cat it's a communal corridor. They don't have the concept of a communal corridor, sadly. I remember many, many years ago I had a cat named Wilbur, who I didn't name. Yeah. Um, it was like – I was about elementary school age, and uh, he, he was a badass little cat. Like, like, like he would just like, – like he was nice for the most part, but if you made him mad, he would happily bite you. Like he was like part vampire on his mother's side. And um, my uncle brought over this kitten he had found. That he wanted to know if possibly we wanted it. Like, well, well, no. I mean, we 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 have Wilbur. He's a he wanted like another cat. So, but, but I mean, he had him here. So we were just kind of watching him a little bit. He started eating out of Wilbur's bowl, and Wilbur was behind him, just making these hissing sounds I had never heard from him before. Just <laughs> like, like 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 he was getting ready to kill him. So like like yeah, you better get that kitten out of here immediately. <laughs> so just. Worst part is he was eating out of his bowl, so I can't blame Wilbur for being pissed. Oh, bless him. I like cats. They're fun, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're fascinating creatures. They are the bestest ones. But unfortunately, we can't talk about cats for an hour. Um, we have to talk about yeah. wrestling, mate. <laughs> yes, let's, let's talk about the um, physical embodiment of what goes in their litter box. <laughs> hey, that's right. Cat litter. Um, let's talk about Monday Night Raw from uh, this week. We are into the early days of February for 1995. Just to give you a little painting of what the wrestling world looks like at this particular point in the in the in the state of play. So this is how the other events are going on around the world of wrestling. So Harley Race mm-hmm. this week has been in a serious automobile accident. Mm. So this comes from Dave Meltzer, who says. This explains why he wasn't at the Clash the other night. According to the Clash of Champions, the WCW show, I should say, according to the reports we received, uh, Harley Race broke both his hands and suffered a broken hip when his car hit the center divider after the airbag came out, which blocked his vision near his home in Kansas City. This won't be acknowledged by WCW, which has some interviews with Race in the can that will air on future television shows. So this was a bit of a nasty, a very nasty accident for Harley Race. Yeah, this is the end of him as a manager, unfortunately. Vader goes forth pretty much by himself, although he has people like Flair and Sullivan and a few others in his heel periphery. But yeah, this is the end of the Vader-Harley Race union that had been going on for two, two and a half years at this point. It's just devastating for Harley Race. Because even though he hadn't wrestled in some time, to be in a position like this where he could still be a force of good to bring someone along 
uh, it's sad to know that he's bowed out this way. Yeah, from this point forward, I think it's just it's just promoting and training in his uh in his region there with the World League Wrestling and making guest appearances. This, this is the end of Harley as like a full time in canon character of any sort. Uh, Vader will continue on without Harley Race. In fact, they are building to a Hulk Hogan Vader match at Super Brawl. They've just taped several months worth of WCW television at Disney. And the one thing that was notable from this, that Gary Michael Capetta was was crucial in getting the right crowd reactions from people when they had those organic breaks to cut away to an ad to commercials. When they came back, Gary would g them up. He'd tell them who to boo. He'd tell them who to cheer. But it was very obvious that that could not hide some of the distaste for Hogan from those there, as Hogan was getting some very audible boos during these WCW tapings at Disney. Well. Is there anything called a crowd sweetener that you could uh, employ? <laughs> I imagine they do, but it's still very, <laughs> according to Meltzer, it's still like, it's it's interesting how, how the mighty have fallen here. If only you would turn heel, there's an idea that we could maybe act upon somewhere down the line. I, I can't see Hogan turning heel. He's just, he's, he's too much of a babyface institution. He'll never, ever be a heel. That would just be, that's insane, Tom. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Um, mm mm-hmm. Also, during these tapings, there's a few of the notes from it. Uh, the Butcher is uh, turning back babyface to feud with Kevin Sullivan as the man with no name. We're on to gimmick number 32 of Ed Leslie. He's headline Starcade at this point. Just madness. <laughs> Let's say you got my hopes up there. I'm thinking like Butcher and Blade. I'm like, well, he's a little young at this point, isn't he? <laughs> I'd have preferred that. I would have preferred that. Uh, also, during this time, um, hey, Frank Anderson, fresh off a conviction in Sweden for purchasing HCH. I got 12 squash match wins during the tapings here. Uh, I believe they'll only air on some of the syndicated shows in Europe, and he's not going to get pushed in the U.S. <laughs> Random story <laughs> about Frank Anderson here. That's uh, that's news to me. Yeah. Well, you're in you're in the U.S. You never saw him. <clears throat> so is he so is he gonna, was he going to be like, like their Davy Boy Smith and just use him in like European tour. Or, or, sorry, he, he's their man sore. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably more likely. He was going to be their their Mansour of the Swedish Mansour, Mansour, Mansourson, if you will. Um, yeah, so Frank Anderson was his name, a Swedish amateur wrestler who was uh, who, he had he had uh, uh, baseball cards, well wrestling cards printed for WCW. He was uh, a champion. In Europe, across Europe, but obviously a bit of a checkered past. And somebody that WCW wanted to explore some of that lucrative European currency, and they were positioning Frank to, as you say, be like a Mansoor of the mid 90s. Except, you know, there's no paid for shows. And I'm looking at Frank Anderson right now. He had a hell of a physique. He looked good, didn't he? He looks very good. there's, there's, There's people who look worse who have done better. Also you can imagine at, how he was in the ring. Also at these tapings is Sergeant Craig Pittman from the Marine Corps, who is going to be a bit of a pet project of Eric Bischoff and co. over the next couple of months. Pittman's in the house, Justin. I actually like Sergeant, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman. He was, a, he was a hell of a character. He had that nasty scowl. He had that submission-based offense that was kind of a precursor to like the MMA style that would get fused in the wrestling within a few years' time. He was ahead of his time in many ways. It was uh, also where we saw uh, some action from Meng, 
who worked a bunch of squash matches against, and also getting into anger with Jim Duggan. The, that is that is a true case of the irresistible force meeting the unpinnable object. That is, I'll make you, I'll let you choose who is who in that particular situation. Maybe you should watch Uncensored then. Oh, really? Uh huh. I think I might be. Steve Austin, according to Dave, who was released just days earlier after knee surgery in January, returned as a heel and immediately got hurt again. He needed 12 stitches in his eye after a mistake in the ring in a match against Buff Bagwell on the 3rd of February. He didn't wrestle for the rest of the week, but he's expected to be back in the ring shortly. Nobody seems to think much of a push. Well, I mean, his career is pretty much over. Let's just face it. <laughs> Nothing good will come of Steve Austin at this particular point. We also yeah, had just hang it up, Steve. It was, it, I think he needs run. just to give it up. Yeah, that's it. Just bin it off, mate. <laughs> the the Blue Bloods, consisting of Steve Regal and Bobby Eaton, uh, were part of these tapings. Earl Robert and Lord Stephen uh, and comedy routine. Now Eaton got the spot that originally was going to go to Jean Paul Levesque, but he is now gone, and he we will see him mm-hmm. very soon. You a fan of the Blue Bloods? I was, even though it kind of detracted from Regal as a single. Eaton took to the role with, with sort of like this um, obliviousness to like British culture. And I, I remember the vignettes vividly where it was almost like pretty woman in the sense where Regal's trying to like culture him. <laughs> which, which, which is really weird comparing Bobby Eaton and Julia Roberts. John, at, at your own peril. He was trying to teach him how to speak with the accent. He got him knighted by quote-unquote the queen and regal did like a, a crying take because he was so he, he was so taken by the beauty of bobby eaton becoming the earl of eaton i mean it was dumb comedy but regal and eaton made it work they really did um brian pillman was on the show as a baby face at this point as well and despite rumors hmm. rick flair's return will be as vader's manager um we didn't see that happen he, he came out without a manager and uh Word is that if and or when Flair starts Invader's Corner, it'll probably be may it'll probably be appearing in the next taping or so. But um, yeah, so Flair coming back as Vader's manager. I do believe this is a good little setup they do with Flair and Vader. I think so too. Although it's um, I mean, it sounds that way, but ultimately it, it's a tree that bears no fruit. Unfortunately, mm. I just wanted to point out real fast, going back to the Blue Blood example. I remember how one of their vignettes ended. <laughs> Did they get like their shoes shined at some shop and you're like? Never reading the paper, and Regal's just going on and on about eloquence and whatever. As he's reading the paper, and he goes, "Hmm, I wonder how the poor people are doing." And then Bobby Eaton goes, "Who cares?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the why it stands out, but it's just it's just, just his casual, like sort of nonchalant delivery. It was it was just a good contrast to Regal's elo- eloquent diction. It was just. They contrast each other and complement each other very well. So that was a very underrated tag team. Uh, at the moment, uh, also also from the WCW's, uh, well, a bit of WCW news. This is actually this is more sort of geared towards ECW. So <clears throat> it's it's becoming apparent that this small promotion in Philadelphia is getting the backup of some big players, as it was during this taping set that Eric Bischoff was promoting the pay-per-view in Baltimore on Worldwide, and he made an off-the-cuff comment that suggests more than it meant to. He made a comment saying that they're running the Baltimore Arena and not a bingo hall, which is a direct 
shot across the bows of ECW. And whilst that would just be many, many think, oh, that's just Bischoff just being silly. This is actually a big deal because this is WCW officially acknowledging that ECW is in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just quite a telling moment. Well, I mean, there's other ways you can go about that. You, I mean, you could point out that, that, you know, Paul doesn't run TV tapings at a at a Disney studio where they have to tell the fans who to cheer for and who to boo. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it wasn't a good time to be calling uh, calling somebody out for their uh, for their arena setup, so to speak. Especially when your top babyface is getting booed by half the audience and you have to mask that somehow. Exactly. It's just, it, and Bischoff would do much worse than this in years to come. As... Oh, it's. <laughs> this year just 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 wait oh wow this oh oh of course of course it's this year flipping heck. of course it's this flipping year so um the only other note i've got here of any significance is we were meant to see the nwa world's heavyweight championship change hands two days before this episode of monday night raw in pennsylvania however the weather has been shocking in the northeast so a lot of shows got cancelled mm. one of those was the show where that was going to happen so chris candido and dan severin will have to wait to tangle another day when dan severin finally gets that belt he proceeds to hold it for over four years <laughs> it's and so what's your favorite in all the four years justin what is your favorite dan severin nwa world heavyweight title defense Wow. <laughs> um, I know, right? Hang on. I like the one where he came to the work to came, well, I like the one where he came to the ring in a sweaty grey t shirt. <laughs> Actually, you know, hold on. I'm I'm going to Dan Severn Cage match right now because I want to see <laughs> how many de- how many defenses he made of that title in that four year stretch because now I'm curious. Oh well, surely every thirty seven every thirty him. days, that's the rule. GTFO. Oh, Dan Severn wrestled this year in Japan. Did he? He faced Masakatsu Funaki what? in a martial arts rules match. Oh, my God. In 2020. God, 2020 is a hell of a drug. Okay, so I'm on Severn's page. Um, I'm going to get to 95, getting closer. Okay, so let's see here. If I just highlight NWA World, I can figure out how many defenses he made. I'm going to rattle off real fast everyone he defended the belt against. Does that sound good? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this might take a little bit, but it should be worth it. So after beating Candido to win the belt in, in Erlinger, Kentucky on February 24th, he defended against the following men. Benson Lee twice. I don't know who that is. U- Usamu Nishimura. Tommy Cairo a bunch of times, Max Anthony, Bobby Blaze, Cairo again, Mad Max, not Mel Gibson, I don't think, Yoshihiro Tajiri, including a, including a match in Williamstown, New Jersey, which is 15 minutes from my house in June of 95 that I knew nothing about. That's incredible. What? Andre Baker, Bobby Blaze, Tarzan Goto, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, Ghetto Blaster, whoever that is. Al Snow, Repo Man in Malaysia. <laughs> I'm in 96 now, by the way. Is this is this a list of Dan Severin's title defenses, or is this a future episode of what happened to that wrestler? <laughs> it just might be. <laughs> Adam, I will gladly do an episode of what happened to everyone Dan Severin defended the belt against, if, if you'll have it. Number one, uh, Dan Severin. <laughs> what happened to him? Um, 
Geza Kalman Jr. Don't know who that is. Dory Funk Jr. and a 30-minute drill in 1997. <laughs> Harley Lois, Jimmy Cicero, I remember him. Johnny Perez, Devin Storm, the future crowbar. The great Kabuki. Typhoon. <laughs> what? Yeah. Franz Schumann. Rod Price, Paul Atlas, Rick Ratchet, who was the who was the New Age Nature Boy, Nature Boy 2000. It didn't work out. Lance Diamond, aka Simon Diamond, Doug Gilbert, Sergeant Craig Pittman in July of '98. <laughs> Doink the Clown, yes, the real one. Uh, Mike Roselli. Oh, Lord Stephen Regal. Hey. At the, N- the NWA anniversary show in October '98. Um, almost there. Let's see. Hack Myers, who was an ECW original, before losing it in March 99 to Naoya Ogawa in Japan. What a run. What a run. I have to ask about this match now. He lost a name. He went to a draw with Naoya Ogawa in May of 99 in a match that that says says time limit draw. Five minutes. Wow! Wow! Is that like a, um, is that like a Dan Seven thing, where it's like the five minutes of fame? You got five minutes to beat me. I guess that must be a typo. I hope not. <laughs> I hope it was just a five-minute time limit. That make me happy. I don't ask for much because you know I'm very easily amused. Okay, so we're ready to crack on with this awful show. Oh, let's do it. Those are all my notes. Let's head over to Monday Night Raw. Where and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, as mentioned before, this was broadcast on February 6, 1995. It was taped two weeks earlier at the Manatee Civic Center in Palmetto, Florida. It's the end of a taping. And next week, there is no show because there's a dog show. So we start fresh on February 20th as we make the bigger pushes toward WrestleMania 11. And it's, it's got to be better than what we're seeing here. Well, WrestleMania 11 is going to be the biggest WrestleMania ever. What are you talking about? Well, that's what they say. Yeah. Or or as the great Art O'Donnell of WrestleCrab says, it took place on the grandest stage of the mall. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Art O'Donnell. <laughs> so uh, we start with a recap of Bundy and Mabel because we don't like having an audience. <laughs> um. Vince's voiceover makes it sound more dramatic than it actually was. So we know it was Bundy and Mabel in that two-man rumble last week where it was no bumps. It was just leaning on the ropes for support. Tatanka and Iris help Bundy throw Mabel out. Moe and Lex Luger are way late. So tonight is, is a six-man tag because we all have to suffer. Bundy, Tatanka, and IRS versus Luger and men on a mission. This is six-man ramble. <laughs> what a way to start the show They, as you say they obviously don't like audience no it's, like, who's tuning in for this match you can't blame them for, for at least trying to make it feel big but we're not fooled this isn't big no this is a this truly is the doldrums as we see we get the green screen shot of Vincent Shaw at the beginning in front of the live audience. You can't see me making quote marks here. So the best part is Sean goes out of his way to kill the gimmick <laughs> because he's dancing in front of Vince because 
because Metal Mission's music's playing so Sean's is boogieing down. He turns and faces the crowd and, and is gyrating away. And of course, nobody's looking at him because it's a green screen. So there should be some sort of like. So you think at least one or two of the people on camera would acknowledge that there is a dancing man in, in assless chaps in front of him. I mean, he's wearing pants underneath, obviously, but that, that, he, that, he's, that he's gyrating and dancing away. But no, he's like an invisible man, practically. <laughs> They're probably thinking, if we ignore him, he'll go away. If we ignore him, he'll go away. <laughs> That's what they want you to think. <laughs> Sean is as invisible as Jimmy Stewart during the flashback sequences and um, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> like, like, no one can see him. They're all just carrying on with whatever else is going on. So, it's, so on tonight's show, we have, in addition to this lovely six-man tag, we have a statement from Bobby Cupo, who is the legal counsel of Lawrence Taylor. It's a very busy man. Um, <laughs> Razor Ramon will be in action. Diesel's going to have some comments. And, of course, we have this match. Meanwhile, Sean blows his big bubblegum bubble right in Vince's face. And Vince is, Vince is perturbed by it. We get a sound effect for the bubble going as well. We get like a stock sound effect. For the bubble bursting. <laughs> well, at least they synced that up perfectly. <laughs> they could have swapped it out for something more funny, like the Wilhelm scream. That would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Just like an auga sound. <laughs> sound of an anvil falling. <laughs> they could have had some fun with that if they wanted to. Well, Sean is dicking around here. Sean is exposing, uh, you know, the the truth. But as we find out at the end of the night, we know why. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a change of coming. Oh, but we'll God. get to that. So we shift into the Kevin Dunn camera effects for mental emissions insurance, which, which caused millions of American children to be um, the fall of the floor drooling with their eyes dilated. How they got away with this, I don't know. No, it's... It's not getting mental emission anymore over, I don't think. And that wouldn't change. So Luger and mental emission versus the Million Dollar Corporation in a six-man tag. Vince tries to tie in Black History Month and mental emission by saying, and they're looking to make a little history of their own. It's a shoehorn. It really is a shoehorn. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, because you think of those great moments. Uh, during Black History Month, you know, obviously you, you go to the classics, the, the Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream uh, speech. And, of course, that mm. night that Mabel and Moe from Men on a Mission faced the Million Dollar Corporation. Of course. I mean, at least today they do more dignity with, like, you know, the tributes to Ernie Ladd and Junkyard Dog and a little video retrospective. So it's, it's much more dignified. Most definitely. Back then it's just like, uh, well, we don't have enough footage, so... Uh, Man, I'm going to make history. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> That'll do. We're topical. Just, We're topical. It's, just, it's lazy. So, Luger has a flag bearer who actually seems happy to be there. It's a change from the norm. The heat machine has drowned Luger's song out. You can't even hear it. I think at one point it sounds like his song stops. Like, is that heat, what it was? I, it seems like the heat machine is that, like, I couldn't, as I was watching it, I listened back, it's just, it sounds like his music stops completely. Whether there was a technical error, I don't know. But it did give me the idea to, for a, a thing for Lex Luger. Like, they should do a gimmick with Luger at this point, where the budget for his entrance just gradually goes down. 
So like it's <laughs> obviously now he's got kid leading him to the ring. It would have been funny if it's if it started with like a procession leading him to the ring, fireworks going off as he gets in, and then the one week it's just like one person in the procession, and then the one week it's just like a randomer wearing waving a flag, and then the following week the flag is smaller. And then the next week he gets onto the apron and it's just like farty pyro and he just gets visibly more annoyed by this. And it's just like they're they're defunding Lex Luger as weeks are going by because Vince has given up on him completely. So he's defunding Luger. So he has to join the Million Dollar Corporation because he's skint. Can't afford a flag. He's got a picture of a flag. <laughs> he's got like a printout on a, on a dot matrix printer of a flag. So he holds, but he ends up having to hold up himself. He has to buy Jacques Rougeau's little miniature flag from the from the Rougeau brothers and wave that around. <laughs> One week he's wrestling and his tights rip, so the next week he's just out there in jogging pants. <laughs> Defund Lex Luger. <laughs> well, Bischoff did when he gave him the um the ultimatum of a low. Of, of, of a low ball offer, but Luger took it anyway. <laughs> oh, Luger. Also, another point before we get into this, um, we didn't cover the Slammy Awards in 94 because I don't think we could have watched uh, Stephanie Wind and and, and uh, Todd Pettingill going through the motions. But I can confirm that IRS at the Slammy Awards did in fact win Sweatiest Wrestler. Really? Yes. And that was a like a, a legit award for sweatiest wrestler that went to IRS. This is like a torch passing moment between him and Shane. Oh, oh that'd be a very wet torch. That'd be a very wet torch. <laughs> it's already been extinguished. It just keeps going out just because of the, uh, the the droplets in the air. Just keeps it keeps putting the smoke out. John, can you do IRS and Shane passing a torch for sweatiest wrestler? I. I rest like a 20 ounce soda bottle that you leave out for two hours. <laughs> oh, it's, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> so Sean is just putting himself over in mass here. He talks about, he says, Bundy and Mabel are, are, like, are like two guys arguing over who came in 10th and 11th. Let's talk about the number one guy. <laughs> to the rumble. It's true. So, so they start, so they start to match and they're clubbering. And Mabel gets my hopes up by hitting an Antonio Inoki-esque Enzugiri on Bundy for two. I was not expecting that in a Bundy-Mabel confrontation. Did he bust it out last week? Or was it a similar move last week? Maybe the spinning heel kick. Might have been the spinning heel kick. That was it then. So Mo tags in. And what becomes a theme for this match? Mo tags in and gets beaten up immediately. <laughs> Do not tag Mo and you will not win the match. So he gets beaten down. He gets cornered. Tatanka's hitting overhand strikes as we go to commercial. Come back. Mabel's beating on Tatanka now. So Luger tags in while Tatanka's hurt. And Tatanka bails out. So it's like Luger's like a... It's like very opportunistic here. It's like he's supposed to be the baby face. And Tatanka's one... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> either, either way, we learned that Tatanka and, I, and, and Luger are facing off on Action Zone this Sunday. Can't wait. <laughs> are you excited? I am excited. I am excited to do something else on that Sunday, like watch basketball. <laughs> so we get a spot where they really screwed something up here. It's IRS and Mo in the ring. Mo hits the ropes, and someone's supposed to hit him on the apron, either Bundy or Tatanka. I don't know who. It doesn't happen, so IRS throws this wonky-looking knee at Mo's abdomen, 
and Mo falls backwards off of it. It's the kitchen sink knee lift. We're supposed to like you know go like ass over tea kettle over the guy's knee. Mm. Instead, he falls backwards. He didn't quite know what to do, and it was adorable. It was like he caught him. It, like surely he would have gone through this beforehand. And clearly, well, Mo wasn't wasn't familiar with the uh, the kitchen sink spot. Well, it wasn't so much that it was some sentence was supposed to happen, and they were improvising. Because then Mo gets sent back into the ropes, and then finally, uh, Tatanka hits him on the apron. So, so that was supposed to happen originally, but they just didn't do it because somebody missed Mr. Q. So the knee left spot was just an attempt to, you know, fill. A question from the back of the room. Yes, sir. Why is it called the kitchen sink? I guess because it's like abdomen level. Yeah, I figured as much, but I thought you I'm might just, know. Yeah, I'm just guessing. <laughs> it was a finisher by Nigel Kitchen Sink in 1932. <laughs> He killed four wrestlers with it. <laughs> it's one of those. I love going back and listening to stories of, of what have become arbitrary moves, but their <laughs> devastating effectiveness in the 20s. Like like Dan O'Mahony, who bust out the drop kick, and everyone's like, whoa, he's dead! He killed four people with an Irish whip. It's just I love the, 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 the beginnings of very arbitrary moves now. It reminds me of Wallace Showerhead. <laughs> what? Wallace Showerhead. Go on. Is he like Max Headroom? Well, I don't know. He's, he, he was a wrestler who's... He, he, he cleansed his opponents of their life. That was his thing. Oh! I get it! Was he yeah, really it's... Uh, <clears throat> although Maurice Bidet was very popular among his opponents because he made him feel good. I was always a big fan of Stan Sanitizer. You think he was going for a sunset flip, but no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Question from the back. Why is it a sunset flip? <laughs> Keith Sunset because, Flip invented it. Because it, it's the sun going over the horizon if you look at it from the front. Ah, <laughs> clever chicken. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Mo is facing peril again. Bunny gets like the laziest snapmare ever. He just does like like this Orange Cassidy esque forward motion, and Mo has to like do a sideways roll to the front of him. I like watching Mo being forced to wrestle. Uh, this is this match is not good. <laughs> no. Iris comes in. He saves the match with an abdominal stretch. I'm going to repeat that. He <laughs> saves the match with an abdominal stretch. When you're looking to IRS with his abdominal stretch to turn the tide. You have a problem. Iris here is like two cold Scorpio. Here is a wrestling. Somebody has to be the wrestler. <laughs> so we get the one good spot in this match where, hey, speak of the sunset flip. Oh. Mo goes for it. Iris blocks it. He does the wonky walk to the ropes while dragging Mo with him. And that's a lot of guy, a lot of man to carry with you. So he's doing like the snowshoe shuffle through like three feet of snow here, like molasses. The Aloha Arn, as uh, OSW Review called it. Very good. See, he grabs a rope. Mabel just hits his arm. And IRS timbers stiffly backwards into the pin. That was like the one good spot of the match. <laughs> what a but sad then, state of affairs where IRS has saved the match and had the best spot of the match. Says a lot, doesn't it? Oh, man. But then... <laughs> the most amazing thing happens. 
Vince McMahon has had enough of this match. <laughs> you notice this too, right? Yeah. Vince McMahon, who will put over anything, will give the green light to the worst gimmicks you've ever seen. Doesn't really know what the contemporary audience likes. Puts on these shows, and finally, he has his network-esque breaking point. Where he's mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore. And he just comes out in the midst. I'm not impressed with either team, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes! Just, just buried him both! <laughs> and then Sean follows up by saying, well, there's no ring general in there. Which is his way of saying, there's no one to carry this match. That's why I said disjointed. <laughs> Vince and Sean just take a, a, a dulling dump on this entire match. Did, like, Vince... Did Vince and Sean, like, just press, like, the, the silence button, the mute button? I think they pressed the mute button just to have a chat about the match, but then realized they just left it in. It just sort of felt like, why have you guys just started just trashing this match on the live commentary? Well, it was, I think it was, Vince made, from a kayfabe perspective in the sense that, well, no one's really taking control of this match. It could, if someone was really had to draw this about, this match would be over by now. But no, so... From from the perspective of that, no one's really doing good here. But we know what he meant. We know what he meant. It's the same <laughs> when JR says something is bowling shoe ugly. Exactly. That's code for I hate this match. <laughs> That's for we apologize. Don't worry. We'll, we'll have we'll have Guerrero and Van Dam later. It'll be okay. We'll make up for it now, as Carl Lewis would say. So we get the alleged hot tag of the Luger. He sort of slams Bundy. You know, pandemonium ensues. And then, in the confusion, Tatanka DDTs the Luger and Bundy pins Luger. Christ! What an awful, <clears throat> awful finish! This was a cluster F. I just don't know... It's like, of all the people in there, it's Luger taking the pin. And Vince tried to cover it by going, Oh, well, Tatanka wasn't the legal man. Like, being like being the illegal man gives you plus four strength. I just Now, it's, it's still a crap DDT. And he had time to recover. But he didn't. Like, even Mo, even Mo, on the outside of the ring, looked in briefly and went, Ah, he's got this. Oh, wait. No, he hasn't. I better get in. No, I haven't made it. You know what this was? Shite. This was a man... <laughs> this was a man playing with his action figures while on Oxycontin. <laughs> this is, he, he this put, is bad. What he's concocted with his toys vaguely resembles a wrestling match <laughs> with some wacky stuff and some boring stuff. And no, and no real thread to hold it together with. And, and after after 15 minutes, he just says, uh, he passed that on the floor. <laughs> it's like, I'm bored now, bye. <clears throat> that was awful. Was that sucked. Dreadful. Full of dread, that was. And, and that was the star match of the night. <laughs> oh, God, it's true, isn't it? That was actually the highlight of the evening, that match. That was too, that was too poor for hour three of a taping. <laughs> It's just every week it just surprises me how how far Luger's fallen and how little they care about Luger now. Like Couldn't somebody Mo who was pinned. so exactly there was like you had Mo in there. You had Mo 
And they thought, oh, we we got to keep Mo strong. We got to keep. They they thought more of Mo than Luger in this match. Think on God. that. Think on that. I almost can't blame them. <laughs> Stream brand new dramas on Now TV. Unveil dark secrets in Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman's The Undoing with new episodes every week. Visit a twisted future in the adapt. So we go from Lex Luger to a pr- promo for Man Mountain Rock. So we go from Lex Luger to a pr- promo for Man Mountain Rock. 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 In the studio, and we have to establish he's, he's a baby face because we have this big rotund man who looks like an asylum escapee in a bodysuit. He puts over the baby faces in a bit of word association, calls Sean a jerk, but and he puts over Diesel very strongly, which is pretty funny in hindsight. Yes, and uh, he plays guitar a lot. Okay, so already Max Payne is boring. I quite like, like, like for, for somebody on the outside looking in, like, this felt different. This felt like an MT, like MTV style, which is what they were going for. It felt mm-hmm. like that. Um, a lot of the stuff he said was highly generic, but mm-hmm. it was, I, the, the feel wasn't terrible. At this point, I didn't think the feel was that bad. No, he could have been cutting edge. I mean, he, I mean, he's a legit guitar player. He's a very creative mind, but they just made him a face in the crowd. Very much so. For whatever reason, they thought, let's just, let's rein him in. God, no wonder he made that documentary. (laughs) He certainly did. So we go to Bobby Cupo, who is the legal counsel of Mr. Lawrence Taylor, who it occurs to me is basically if Dennis Farina played Jerry McDevitt in a movie. Oh, nice. I knew you'd have something for him, because I was struggling. I just thought he, I've just got like, Bobby was LT's legit shoot agent for a long time. And uh, it was just, and here he just, he, he has some nice pencils in his little desk tidy. And he read a prepared he statement. Does, he doesn't need a pen. No, because he gets it right every time. 
Well, this promo was clearly written by somebody other than him, possibly named Ryan's was Vince Kickman. <laughs> Imagine if he'd given him the wrong piece of paper. He goes, let's go to Bobby Coupo. Push Diesel, what a maneuver. Thank you. What? Oh, no, he's given him the wrong note. We've given him all my notes for Raw. <laughs> Remember, Mo is the short one. Mabel is the tall one. <laughs> he's got pictures of them. It's like Walter ten years ago. My first, uh, my first night doing live wrestling commentary, I had all these notes printed up, and I had the match mm. graphics at the very top. And somebody looked over at them, like somebody else was working there. He was going, "Oh, bloody hell! You've, you know, you know, no one else is only seeing this. Only you." And then he looked closer, and he could see that on the tag team bit, I just labelled each of the tag members because I didn't know them, and they both, and there was a particular tag team that looked very similar, and I just written their names under their faces. And he went, "That's cheating!" I said, "No, I still get mixed up. I feel like I'm gonna." <laughs> so at least I've got a frame of reference. <laughs> Trying to help the promotion. You don't want to sound stupid out there. Exactly. I'd rather be over-prepared and get everyone over like Rover. That's the fun of doing commentary. I'd have loved to do commentary during this era. Because I feel like I'd have just gone for it. I'd have just made everyone sound like the hero. I would have just... IRS would have been the the greatest wrestler on the planet if my commentary had anything to go by. You need to dub over commentary for some old shows just for fun. I'd like to do that. Should we do that? We, we could could be sitting on an empire here. Oh, mate. <clears throat> That's Mystery Science Theater, some old wrestling. We, we kind of do that, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do, don't we? We do watch-alongs every month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Anyway. Um, so Bobby Coupo accepts the apology of Van Bigelow. Wait, what apology? It's a crap apology. He didn't apologize. Sounds no fight. I'm guessing this was taped before the Bigelow segment was taped. Unless unless they assumed that by asking for a fight, they thought he meant, like, they took it as an apology. Maybe that's how you get out of a fight. When, when you, <laughs> no. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I'm going to beat you up, you go, apology accepted. And you walk well, away. No. <laughs> well, no, it's an American thing. What it is is, is um, it's like, Tommy, you broke your sister's toy. What do you say? I'm going to kill you. That's better. <laughs> Apology accepted. It's a very, it's a very northeastern U.S. way of doing things. <laughs> so Bobby Cooper has all the charisma of a praying mantis, unfortunately. He isn't the nicest of, of the most charismatic of folk, is he? No, he's uh, he 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 says furthermore. So obviously Vince writes Tony's bits also. <laughs> And he refers to Bigelow, or I'm sorry, he says LT is not a World Wrestling Federation superstar. He doesn't say he's not a wrestler. He says he is not a World Wrestling Federation superstar. That's up there with, I'm, I can't wrestle anymore. I can't wrestle you at the pay-per-view. But I can fight you! Way! That's what that is, isn't it? He isn't a WWF superstar. But he'll fight you! Hey, well, there we go! Well, 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 no, 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 no. It's, he's not, he's using the vernacular the company prefers to use. So it's almost like the statement came from inside the company and, and he's just reading it word for word because <laughs> Bobby Cooper would not say war with version superstar. He would just say wrestler. That's true. That's, that's, it's like he, he almost said not affirmatively in parentheses. 
below it. Like this, he's just reading it word for word. He like he he has no attachment to these words. He's putting no emotion into them. He's just carrying on this next part of the story for them. So he says he says LT does not want to wrestle. Okay, and he actually says, and this this part made me laugh. He says they will seek legal remedy if Bigelow keeps challenging him. What? <laughs> well, that's them saying, like, stop challenging us to a fight or we'll tell your dad. That's basically what they're saying here. Lawrence Taylor is, is one of the four baddest MFers ever played defense in NFL history. A man who pulverized quarterbacks into dust. A scary dude that p- players did not want to cross. And now his lawyer's telling Bigelow, stop challenging us or we'll sue. <laughs> Okay, spoiler. This is the main event at WrestleMania 11 they're billing to. Is this not, to is, are they not just going through the same sort of process that Brett and Owen did, where Brett's like, I will never fight you, Owen. But at least there was like a, a sort of you know dogged determination there, like, for the good of the family, I cannot fight you. Yeah. For, for the good of our brotherly bond, I cannot fight you. This is, leave me alone. <laughs> Stop pinging on me. I want to fight at the wrestling mania. <laughs> that's what this is. They were supposed to buy LT as this threat to Bam Bam. And this is what... <laughs> they got this wrong. They oh. really got this wrong. This is how you start a blood feud for WrestleMania. With a turn. Get off me. <laughs> I am keeping my hands to myself. <laughs> Man Mountain Rock versus Charlie Hunter. Now's a good time to point out that Charlie Hunter, later this year, made wrestling history. He didn't. Now, I don't know what he did this year, but I know who he is. Well, it should it should tie in with what I'm about to say. Here. Tie in with what you're saying. Could you say it? Tie dies in with what he's doing. Yes. In a matter of months, Charlie Hunter here was one of the three original Dudley boys. Yeah. He was Dudley Dudley. And the beautiful irony of him being across the ring from somebody wearing tie-dye. Exactly. Oh, chef's kiss for the past. Chef's kiss! I can't hold all these chef's kisses for the past. I love when stuff like this happens. Dudley Dudley against a man in tie-dye. Dudley Dudley was, um... He was there to probably about year's end. In ECW, it was him, Snot Dudley, who was Anthony Michaels from Smoky Mountain. And Big Dick Dudley, the big scary guy with the massive arms. And eventually they added uh, Dances with Dudley, the Native American uh, Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley. But then they hit, w- w- within a year's time, they hit upon the two most important ones, Bubba Ray Dudley in late 95, who's, who, who, who was, of course, a stutterer at first. And in the spring of 96, they added Devon Dudley, who was the very righteous Dudley. And, of course, it was funny seeing him among a group of... Uh, Primarily white Dudleys, which shows how how much seed Big Daddy Dudley spread across the world. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah, once once you got Bubba and Devon in there, it started to really uh, hit its zenith, so to speak. It really did. But this is just fun to see. This is I actually know what Charlie Hunter in the ring here, not for for his limited role, not terrible. Mm-hmm. He looks like him. He was like a Southern Fried Seth Rollins here, actually, like physically. <laughs> a Southern Fried Seth Rollins. Amazing. 
So we got to talk about Man Mountain Rock since this was his TV debut. We have indeed, mate. We have indeed. He has Draz's future theme song, but he's but he's playing his guitar over it, which is weird. Like he has a song, like uh, playing over the PA system, but he's he's also just rocking out on his guitar there. They would would they not tweak? The, oh no, they, they they didn't do this here. They did this in WCW where he just when he was Max Payne, where he just plays the guitar to the ring, and that's yeah, his theme music. Just a series of riffs while he plays himself out. That'd have been great here. Of course it would have been, but he's also, he's a friendly guitar player here. <laughs> That's kind of the problem. Do you think this would have been better if he'd come in as a heel? Well, you needed heels, but given the tone and the time, you see why Vince would want to have this as a smiling baby face. I'm a friendly guitar player. <laughs> Which, Max Payne was way cooler than this. So now we're also putting over his amateur wrestling credentials from Iowa State University because a certain somebody now has influence over the booking. A certain uh, certain Oklahoma guy. Would that be good old J.R. James Ross? That would be. He spoke um, on Grilling J.R., funnily enough. He spoke about like the whole – because it became a bit of a meme, a bit of a trope. With JR, that like, oh, he's got a college background, college football background. Bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. Like an amateur background. And JR defended this. And he said, like, if they if they have a college football background, if they have a college wrestling background, primarily if they have a college football background, it shows they've been to college and it shows they have a commitment to, to learn and they have a motivation. And that is something that I look for as well as obviously that sporting mm-hmm. acumen. It shows they've got a drive and a motivation, and that's what I want as well. And I kind of get that, actually. I do get mm-hmm. that. I do also. It's um, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, you, you, you just trailed off for a moment. I just made, I'm sorry, I think as I was speaking, I was doing like a dramatic spin in my chair. And in doing so, I moved my mouth away from the microphone. And, uh, and now I'm back. I mean, I've interviewed wrestlers before who have um, had college football backgrounds, like Del Wilkes, the Patriot, who went to South Carolina, was, was an All-American offensive lineman. And he talked about just how, you know, how important it was to have that background when going into wrestling. You know, you use the physicality, you use the training hard, you, you keep high expectations for yourself. And so I'm, I understand where JR is coming from. You know, it's a... Uh, it's why you recruit actual athletes instead of uh, maybe not. I guess it's preferable in some ways to just find some guy on the indies who all, all he wanted to do is wrestling. And maybe he's here. I don't know, man. That, I think I'm just talking bollocks here to a certain degree. But no, no, I no. See, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I see JR's point, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I understand. And, and, and also, it, it might legitimize them to an audience that's kind of skeptical, skeptical about wrestling. To see somebody out there that's, uh, oh, he actually is an athlete. Oh, he's been to college. He's not just some carny guy, you know, fake fighting, so to speak. I mean, my uncle who hates wrestling, he got into it a little bit when Ken Shamrock came to WWF because he was a fan of UFC. He's like, oh, it must not be that bad if Ken Shamrock's doing it. Yeah, exactly. So we got Man Mountain Rock here. It's, uh, he's in there with Dudley Dudley and. As I prefer to think of him, of course he's he's too strong for for Mr. Dudley here. He shows his personality a lot, man. Mountain Rock. He doesn't move. He kind of uh, mugs for the crowd, but it's a very slow match. 
A lot of elbow drops, a lot of fish drops. Sean even goes as far as to call him a technicolor yawn. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a, a just a bit of a berry of your new one. That's a kiss of death. He he applies a nerve hold in, in a three-minute match. That's never a good sign. And then immediately after the nerve hold, he picks Charlie Hunter up, drops him with a gourd buster, and wins. The nerve hold was the setup move. Is that not your standard signature move? A nerve hold? That was the spear before the jackhammer in this case. There is just... There is... There's... There's so much to learn still about putting on these these squash matches. They just... So many of them just seem so scattered. It just seems like... Just go out there, chuck a couple of random moves in place. Like they roll a dice to decide what move goes where, you know? Mm. Like clothesline him punch gut lick eyes you know it just it's just, it's completely it's just a series of moves without any real flow they and that and i think with nxt like nxt do the odd television squash match and i think they do them really well because you get all the the accoutrement of the the guy who is the squasher and even the squashy gets a little bit of a shine in there but ends up succumbing but they do them so well, they they pace them so well. But these are just so, as we'll see with one with Ramon later on, as we'll see with one with Mantor and with Henry Godwin later on. Gosh, there's there's the, there's an art that is still waiting to be discovered. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We get some action zone footage from, from Diesel and Owen in what appears to be a, a high school auditorium. I looked up, this is South Padre Island, Texas. <laughs> Still doing the great venues, I see. Clearly. Shows Diesel winning clearly. Sean watching from the aisle way. Just prep, just a little exposition for Mania 11. Nothing more, nothing less. Then we go to a sit-down interview with Vincent Diesel at Titan Studios. And I uh, kind of hold my breath a bit here because I know this is going to be your typical Diesel promo of the day where he's far too humble. And you are right. This is... Um... God, Vince is just desperate to humanize Diesel, unaware that the joy we had from Diesel was just this angry tall man battering people. Thank God he didn't do this with Taker. Now, Mr. Callaway, let's talk <laughs> about your childhood. He kind of does, up. but he waited until this year to do it. Yeah, I mean, he, w he waited 30 years. 
I mean, I imagine Taker then just dropping the facade. And... <laughs> so after Diesel puts it over, Brett and Owen both met very matter-of-factly. Starts out okay here. Talks about how he's had nine knee operations. Why isn't that clip in the, in the Don't Try This thing? We, 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 we always mock Ray. But we, <laughs> we, 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 we didn't get Diesel's in there. I mean, no, I mean, we don't mock him for getting hurt, but just a line with this. So he, 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 call, he calls his, his knee operations his Achilles heel, but he's prevailed. Should have called it his says, Achilles knee. Well, it's it's part of the leg. It's that's good yeah. enough. I wish he, I wish he gone my Achilles heel or my Achilles knee, and then touches his nose and winks at the camera. <laughs> I wish he'd done that <laughs> just for my own amusement. What is he, Chris Statlander? Yes, yes. <laughs> I want him to boop his own snoot and wink at the camera. <laughs> Diesel shows up in a spaceship. Yeah, John! John! <laughs> Nash in a spaceship! So, Diesel talks about the rumble, the interference in the match, and says he'll never know if the jackknife would have finished Brett. All right. I shouldn't have to tell you what's wrong with this sentence. Kevin Nash is the WWF champion and therefore the king of the mountain. His finishing move in his mind should be able to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart should not have kicked out of the jackknife. He should have said something along the lines of, of course I had him be a hit the friggin' jackknife. He wasn't getting up from that. Well, you know what? Took interference to say, yeah, yeah. Or, or kind of gone, hey, Bret should be thanking Sean. Yeah. And how would that come off his heels? He'd be right. Yeah. He'd be spot on. Like Randy like, Orton as a heel, even I don't know, and, and and Drew as a face, both getting their finishes over this year. Both going, Hey look, when I hit you with that, you're done. And I just it's that whole thing of oh I don't know, he might have kicked out. Shut up, Kev. Of course he wouldn't have kicked out. Where's that edge gone? <laughs> Well gee, well, gee golly gosh, I had my fingers crossed. I would have crossed my toes if my boots weren't so tight that Brett wasn't getting his shoulder up from this move. It's like, you're seven feet tall. It's infuriating. Infuriating. Diesel then admits that Sean's mind games have some effect. He, he does it in a way that doesn't sound like he's a loser, but it's kind of like, well, of course, I mean, Sean knows what he's doing. He's uh, like he's, he's giving Sean the benefit of the doubt in a rather mature and rather thoughtful way. But so far, he hasn't been aided by this promo at all, so this isn't really the best time for this to come in. So Vince actually calls Diesel by his name, Kevin Nash, and starts talking about his commercial appearances. You've hung out with these 74 celebrities. I'm going to name all of them because we need as much rub as we could possibly get in this company. Like this, like this, You can tell this is the whole point of this interview. It's for Vince to put over the company using the world champion celebrity connections. <laughs> like, 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 we thought we hit our peak when we had Tiny Tim on Raw two years ago. But now look who you've hung out with. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, <laughs> uh, President Ford, and, and so on and so forth. There's lots of name dropping here. Vince goes on. He, he says, like, hey, he, 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 asks, he, he asks about all the challenges he faces as champion. It's like, And he actually says, and this is a quote. What about keeping your marriage together? I mean, what's he going to say? Like, like, oh, I'm trying not to sleep around with other women. Uh. <laughs> exactly. The what the hell? It's the fact that when, like, 
And this is the thing, right? You want your champion to have sex appeal and to be young and cool and relatable and have sex uh -huh. appeal, right? Right. The moment that you drop into conversation, oh, how is your wife? Boom, gone, gone. Because, because genuine, this is, this is a known fact of media. The moment that you mention, if you're a, somebody in the, in the, in the industry that has like a sex appeal, the moment you mention a partner, then boom, it drops off. You lose interest. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a chart that shows it because then people go, oh, they're unattainable. And it's like, you never heard Vince say, hey, Hogan, how's your wife? Because they're like, they wanted that feeling of attainability to Hogan. I know, right? I know. Um, but like to Diesel, like a young, tall, badass, attainable. Not when he's got a wife. That attainability goes. And not just that. But I mean, you killed it. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I mean, you go back to like Flair and Steamboat. At that one Clash of the Champions, Flair came to the ring with like 40 women. Just like, like on on evening gowns. Like, you know, he's, he's Mr. Playboy. He's Mr. Cool. Meanwhile, here's Steamboat with his wife and son. <laughs> Who do you think got cheered more? Exactly. That's a great example. But you lose a cool factor when you say that you're in a happy relationship. It's just, it, it is a, you drop a cool factor in the eyes of, of many. And that's what happens there. So I was, that was a bit that I took a bit of umbrage with. So I just thought, oh man, why would you even, it just seems like a, a misstep from Vince to do that. I think we need to declare once and for all. Well, I'll say after I finish this part here. So Diesel says, you know, he admits it's hard. He's doing his best. Apparently Jared's facing him in two weeks for the title on Raw. Okay. It's just champion versus champion. It's kind of a uh, weird to do it for free on TV, but whatever. Not like Jared's a major star or anything. This really did nothing for Nash, and I gotta say, we used to make fun of him for, you know, just being a busted champion, how 95 was just a crap year overall. It's really not his fault. It took Kevin Nash, who has all, he has a specific set of skills. He's not the best technician, okay. He'll admit that. He has admitted it. But he's a dynamic personality. He, he, he can be the coolest guy in the room easily. And he took all this away from him. It's like telling Gallagher, okay, no props, go out and do comedy for an hour. Mm. Although I'm not, I'm not sure Diesel would be uh, flattered to be compared to Gallagher like that. I liked as well, I don't know whether you picked up on this, I feel like Vince McMahon stifled a laugh or stifled a smile when he talked about Jeff Jarrett getting a title shot next in two weeks' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how you feel about facing Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> I'm kidding. Diesel, thanks for coming. <laughs> Diesel should have said, I can't believe his dad was going to run the company. Thank God you didn't get convicted. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch Vince's face drop. <laughs> so, that was that. Bad, bad. It just does, it damages Diesel. Whenever you get sit downs with him, it damages him. It's just, it's, and they're so, like, they. Like you said, if they did it for the Undertaker at this time, it would have it would have killed him stone dead. Like they learn their lesson. Like they never do the sit down with Austin. Like they never do the sit down with the Rock. 
they never do the sit down with John Cena. They never do the sit down with Roman Reigns. They don't because they realize they realize from Kevin Nash and you know a little bit from Bret Hart and somewhat from Shawn Michaels still to come. They're death. They are death. It's just you. You immediately take all the cool factor out of your character, and you're just like them. Just it's just they're going. Well, I guess it's. Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right, I suppose. It's... No, I don't want that in a champion. I want them to go. I'm going to kill everyone, and this interview is stopping me. And also, if we're watching a show with um, a human bull, a guy wearing a tie-dye jumpsuit, um, a wrestling tax man, a rapping tag team in purple outfits. Why are we humanizing the champion? Yes. It's over, it's over the top already. Shouldn't the champion be like the most over the top? Why are we dialing him back? It's so odd. It's so odd. Mixed messages all the way through. So we go to the hideous green screen table, which has gone to a lot of love on Twitter from that one photo I posted. Yeah, it really. It's a, it's a great shot, though. <laughs> it's a great shot that you shared. <laughs> It is 1995 in, in, in photo form, exemplified. Sean reveals he's going to unveil his new bodyguard in two weeks. And then he takes his shades off and shows he has a black eye underneath. Where did that come from? Yeah, I'm not quite sure where that came from. Um, did he get into a rock with with Diesel on a house show? I didn't hear them mentioning it. Yeah, I mean, you think they would, like, I mentioned explicitly, you know, how it happened, like, at, at I mean, that'd be a way to, like, plug a house show, like, saying, like, you can watch someone get their eye punched out this Saturday in Philadelphia or this Sunday. And... But no, not a mention. Not a peep. Let's see. What was Sean's most recent house show match before this? Oh, he faced, he faced Quebec or Pierre at some shows in, in, in Quebec in February. So do we think February. Pierre got a little handsy? Could have. That's, that sounds like he groped him. What I mean is, did, like, <laughs> Pierre just, just clock him one? Well, Pierre is not human. It's true. We learned that, you know, I mean, fire's good for him. <laughs> Speaking of not human, Mantar versus Leroy Howard. Oh, here we go. Vince plugs the dog show. Sean says he's going there in search of a date. <laughs> Come on, Sean. He's, he's facing the temptations of being a champion. He can't be doing that. He's got to save his marriage. <laughs> remember remember the interview we just watched how can I forget it was delightful this Sean was just playing with a Rubik's Cube during probably so this is going to be an NBA All-Star weekend actually as the champion goodwill tour continues to build up celebrity connections so I gotta say Mantar sucked but he had one cool thing the opening match bull charge into the corner where he'd run at you. He would stick out his arms like they were like they were tusks and pick you up and run you back into the post. That was a cool move. I liked that. I like where. He, yeah, because that's what it was. It was the tusks, wasn't it? It was the that was the impression was that it was a bull charging you with the, the tusks and pushing you the into horns, the corner. Whichever. It should be horns. I think. Yeah, I think, I think horns is right. Yeah, horns, tusks. It's, it's all the T same. Tusks. He's he's. He's not the man offense. He's the man's horror. I want uh, a man offense now, though. <laughs> John. <laughs> John created the man offense. <laughs> and then can you can you create the man of manatee? 
It's like break the guy now. It's like, it's like Googling Google. <laughs> yeah, Google, Google. Google, Google, and then make a man a manatee. So, so uh, Howard's getting his, his usual small share of the offense. Comes off with a crossbody. Mantar catches him, slams him down. This Howard's a pretty good-sized dude, too. So Mantar's pretty strong, at least. So, <laughs> after that Diesel interview, I should not be surprised by this next part here. Where Vince talks about how WrestleMania tickets are still on sale. And then add, quickly adds, the event will be sold out in a matter of days. So you better hurry up and buy your tickets. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> SummerSlam 92 sold out in like hours. That was an 80,000 seat building. That was two and a half years ago. This came to sell a, a 17,000 seat shopping mall complex building. In whatever amount of time. So, this boring squash just goes on. We get a back body drop. Mantar hits a bunch of moves. This goes on about a minute longer than it needs to be. Finishes with a belly to belly. Or a Bailey to Bailey or whatever. And Mantar the hugger. <laughs> so, that was that. Get a plug for the high gear tour. Oh, Philly's in there. How did that show do? Let's see what the crowd is. What date was that? February 12th. Okay, the, the Philly Spectrum holds about 20,000 people, or held about 20,000 people when it still existed. This show drew 5,500 people. Especially for a house show, isn't terrible. It's not a bad shout, is it? No, it's it's fine. This is a pretty decent show, though. Kama beat Quang. Wait, wait, wait. Kama face Quang? Well, is that is that, the, is that their way of just getting shot of Quang? By just having Kama Pro- run through him? Possibly with his um, slow offense. This might be the way Bushback it goes, yeah. See, Bushbackers beat Well Done. Bornakana beat Alundra Blaze. Hey, haven't seen those two in a while. Oh. Jersey beat Mantar with a roll-up. But then it picks up Kid and Holly beat the Heavenly Bodies. Razor beats Backlund by DQ. And Backlund, in his corner, had Dick Murdoch. Oh, what? Our friend, Rodney Dangerfield, still still knocking around. That's WC Fields. <laughs> oh, WC Fields, sorry. <laughs> He's oh, a bit yes. of both. <laughs> oh, yes. Could you show me to your finest cheesesteak establishment, <laughs> sir? Oh, yes. <laughs> No respect. No respect. (laughs) I endeavor to enjoy one of your finest Philly (laughs) cheesesteaks. Oh, yes. (laughs) Michaels beats Davy Boy. Diesel beats Jarrett in a champion match. And Brett beats Owen in a no-holds-barred match. That sure sounds okay, actually. That sounds like a good main event. I would have enjoyed that show, I think. But we go to... Razor Ramon versus veteran WCW jobber Frankie Lancaster. So it's Razor versus Frankie Lancaster. Frankie was a good, good veteran hand, had good mannerisms. Nice pencil-thin mustache on him, though. Uh, he works the arm for a bit. The heat machine's really taking the sound out of Razor's chops, which annoys me. Sean plugs Tech War, because that was still a thing. 
your favorite show. I'm glad. Uh, it's funny to hear Shawn Michaels talking up Tech War. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet Shawn can't believe he's doing this. He's having a lovely time, isn't he? Oh, he's uh, he's over the moon watching his friend wrestle Frankie Lancaster. <laughs> Razor gets a followaway slam. While Vince chooses this moment to rip the media for the treatment of prosecuting attorney Marsha Clark. Yeah, you're going to have to run this here. one by me, because I wasn't too sure what the crack was here. Marsha Clark was one of the prosecutors in the OJ trial. Right, okay. And, and I can't really remember what uh, what the issue was specifically, and I really don't feel like looking it up. Screw it. But yeah, it was just something something or other, and if it's choosing now to be like, let's be topical and talk about the OJ trial. No, let's watch the friggin' match. <laughs> Razor gets the back superplex, finishes it with the Razor's Edge. After the match, Vince says, don't go away because Henry Godwin is next. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? That's like someone, <laughs> saying, that's like someone saying, leave me alone, I'm lonely. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to my shop, now leave. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> don't go away because Henry Godwin is next. <laughs> All right, give me a reason to stick around. Henry Gardner is next. No, a reason to stick around. <laughs> and this is, again, the weird ordering of these shows. Surely Ramon is a bigger star. Could you not put the Ramon... As crap as the Ramon squash was, which it, he has this heelish way with him when he's in these squash matches. As crap as that was. Like, mm-hmm. could you not have had that on last? Well, yeah, but they had the same mentality that they had back in Stallion's main event where... You put on like the um whatever match at at twelve fifty or in this case nine fifty or nine fifty five whatever it is. It's just that was their mentality then. Mm. They didn't do main events in that sense for TV because they figure the audience is going to trail off as the show goes on. So you front load the show, and then by the end you're putting on a uh, you know Techno Team two thousand versus two local yokels because no because no one cared about that match anyway. So that's, so that's what you end with. Meanwhile, you start with Sean versus Bigelow or something. Which it's kind of a dumb way to do it because you know you want to build to a hot main event. Mm. And they spent all these years doing it the opposite way. Right, okay. Like it makes sense when it's Saturday night's main event because that's twelve fifty in the morning. The kids are asleep by then. They they saw Hogan, they were happy, now they're dozing off and now it's time for Red Rooster versus Akeem. Okay, so there is a weird sort of method to the madness. Right, but like I'm saying, it made sense in that time slot. Yeah. This is three hours earlier. Yeah, exactly. They've not really, they've not shaken it up as much as they should. Exactly. So Henry Gama versus Bill Weaver. And I hate Henry Gowan's song. Just the plucking of a banjo, very softly. And a guy yelling for his pigs. Woo, pig, 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 pig. Mom, pig. <laughs> you ever... This is one of those things where you're just grateful that your family didn't walk in while you're watching the show. It's one of those, yeah. This is, I think, when you you look at the music that there's there's been some some duff music in the last couple of years we've been doing this podcast. This, I think, Henry Godwin's music and Bastian Booger's might be the worst, but I feel like mm. if you're happy to have Henry Godwin come out to that noise, why not have Man Mountain Rock play himself to the ring? Like, if you're happy for that mm. to be a thing, why can't Man well, Mountain Rock play himself to the ring? Well, Tom, because they didn't come up with it. No. Oh. It's at that age. I did, 
I just felt more dignified and proud getting caught watching Skin and Max by my parents in the Henry Goblin match. <laughs> so we we, get, we peer inside the slot bucket. We see pieces of like cheese and bread that he just got from catering, probably. It's I'm, not as messy as it would become in, 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 in due time. Yeah, it just looked like leftovers randomly. Yeah, it's, it's just probably the stuff it ganked from the catering, catering table. <laughs> Which Sean, in, in one of the few great moments of this show, compares the power of the slot bucket to the power of the urn. <laughs> <that> Henry Cavill <laughs> draw, draws power from it. Okay, that's pretty funny, that's actually. A good line, that was. It's a good line. Because <laughs> the man, manager holds it up and Henry Cavill draws mystical powers from the stale bread. <laughs> the stale bread! <laughs> is this manager pig bearer <laughs> oink yes <laughs> it's just Paul Barrett in like a pig costume <laughs> like a full body like you just picture that that'd be amazing but but he has a mustache like Paul Bearer <laughs> John actually no because that's to be mean because Paul Bear's not with us and he was a big bloke, and I'm worried that people might see that and get the wrong impression. <laughs> nah, I mean, it's still funny, though. Could you do maybe just somebody holding up the uh, the slot bucket like an urn, though? So, so Bill Weaver auditioned for the role of the Renegade by throwing some crappy drop kicks. Yeah, he was very drop kick heavy at the start, wasn't he? I guess he just thought, well, I'll do a couple and I might get the hang of them by the end. No, oh, there was. It's like me throwing a drop kick. <laughs> Henry's so annoyed by this crappy offense, he has to hit him with a wheelbarrow slam, which is a move that has to come back at some point. Yeah, I like the wheelbarrow slam. He's called the face eraser. Nice. Which is true, you know, you, 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 pick, you hoist the guy up, and he, you know, his legs are under your arms, you, you waist lock him like you're going for maybe a German. You pick him straight up in the air, and you just slam right down, right, right on their mug. It's a good move. It's a strong good move. Power it's move. a strong move. That, again, doesn't get used as much. Sadly, the match uh, degenerates in the slowness from there. Vince is so enamored by Henry Godwin's slow offense. He's playing the bodyguard speculation game with Sean. This just goes on. It's like, is Henry Godwin your bodyguard? Is Mantar your bodyguard? Say more names, Vince. Say more names. <laughs> Slop drop finishes. Henry has to roll him over a few times because he's on to put some stank on him, I guess. Well, he's rolling That's him like finish. a pig, isn't he? That's the whole thing, is that he's... Like he's rolling him like a pig, like a pig rolls in swill. I think that's the, the idea. I guess. <laughs> I think that was what it was. Well, that's your main event. Yay! What a night! What a night! <laughs> this taping is over. Although nobody on it is. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's far from over. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was a tough one to get through. This was. We, I can sense now where we're heading with the new generation. It lacked, a, it, it lacked a lot of decent wrestling. There was no decent wrestling. The fact that that opening six man was the closest we came to a good wrestling match is jarring and alarming. Yes, it's a ninety-five. We've we've said it enough times, but we but we can't. But we really cannot say it enough. This was a terrible year. This was an absolutely awful year. And although the next TV taping will provide some goodness. Some decentness, including a, a jobber on the next show that I'm going to be very happy to see. This is a 
to prepare for the dark days ahead. That is indeed a hot tease for it. And whilst the 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 raw next week in the timeline is preempted by the dog show, we are certainly not. We will be back next week. We'll do it all again. And until next week, he is. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Something happened at the end of the show here. This is important. What? I don't know what you mean, sir. Well, first we have uh, Diesel and Jarrett, champion versus champion. I believe one of the world titles in the line. Bigelow returns from suspension, and Sean introduces his new bodyguard. But before that happens, Sean has another announcement. He informs us that he is no longer going to be broadcasting on this show. Oh, no! So, 95 is getting worse. Shawn Michaels claims that he's he's in too um, vulnerable a position. Now he's off to WrestleMania, so he's leaving the commentation station. Just as we were getting some consistency on commentary. It's, uh, and you, you can tell, really, this was his last night on the job because he was having a lovely time. And I think any time that it's your last... When, it's, when you're finishing a job, it'll be your last day at work. You're pretty, you're pretty ebullient because you know that you're never going back to that thing again. So you can tell why Sean was dicking about throughout most of this, more so than normal. He's lost his headset smile. (laughs) And the the best part is, apropos to the end of Sean's tenure here, as he escapes from this position of commentating, they had the two shot of them in front of the green screen. Sean drops his headset and gets up and leaves. And it's like, where are you going? And all that. And uh, who do you think you are? And, the fans behind him do not react to any of this. <laughs> there was external stimuli allegedly in front of them. And they have no reaction to it. They're just go, you know, just mugging for the camera as if Sean and Vince aren't there because they're not there. Clearly not a fan of uh, of Shawn Michaels on commentary, so indifferent to him leaving. Uh, apparently, that's <laughs> how they should have sold it. Can we get a clue as to who is in the commentation station next week? I think it's going to be the guy who occupies a chair for many years to come. We're going that route officially. Oh, well, let's find out next week. Is that that is our business for today? Is it not? Am I? I have not missed anything out there, have I? No, we just had to get to the ending because 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 that was a very important detail. It is a very important detail that we didn't want to skip carry, to the good bit. Carry on, my good sir. <laughs> he he is at JRH writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together we are at Cultaholic. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Happy Halloween, insert spooky thing here. Love you, bye. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.